0: Hi, I'm Andrew McQuinney, and I'm the Opinion Editor here at The Gateway. In this segment, a few U of A students will discuss an age-old question. Should we ban controversial speakers on campus? Along the way, we'll talk about what makes a speaker controversial, the pros and cons of controversy, and the exchange of ideas in academic discourse.
1: Hi, my name is Atar Vora. I am a third-year computing science student, and I like to proclaim myself as an
2: amateur game developer. Hi, I'm Dane Bellavo and I'm a second-year psychology student.
3: Hi, my name is Pia Koh. I'm a fourth-year criminology student and a member of the University of
0: Alberta Debate Society. So I think the first thing we should discuss is what we mean by controversial. What do you guys each define? as controversial.
1: I often am a man of um, definitions coming from the dictionary. (laughs) So whenever I Google uh, controversy in general, controversy is nothing but a disagreement that's been prolonged or elongated and taken to a public discourse. And I think that definition is quite generic and it, it works in most situations. So depending on context, you can really elaborate more upon what controversy and controversial speakers mean to the people and persons in question.
3: So I kind of thought about this a lot and something that I think is central to controversy is axioms. So axioms are things that are baseline truths that everyone kind of agrees on. Like, for example, life is precious. And I think that controversy arises when people try to prove axioms in ways that are fundamentally different. Or controversy can happen when people don't have the same axioms. So that's kind of how I will be approaching today's conversation.
2: Yeah, Addy, I'm I'm definitely glad you brought up that dictionary definition because that was kind of how I was approaching it. I'd like to further reiterate, as you kind of touched on, that controversy doesn't really seem to be something we can very easily define. Who is controversial is dependent on
0: person uh, viewing it, the particular context, the particular time, etc. So based on that discussion of what controversial means, I think that's a really great segue into our next question. Are there good kinds and bad kinds of controversial?
2: I don't think that controversy is bad at all. I think there's even a place for controversy. It can be good. In free societies, we're going to approach our problems through dialectic and reasonable discussion. So we have freedom of speech to protect us, you know, being able to bring whatever idea or critique we think might be relevant to the table. So sometimes those critiques or ideas are are uncomfortable. Sometimes they're opposite. But I think it's important to have those because I think they're an important part of the academic dialectic, if you will, and pushing forward.
3: Yeah, I actually agree with Dane that controversy is important, but I think that a lot of what we frame as controversy is not actual controversy. I think it's more so arguments that disrespect personhood of particular groups of people. I think that sometimes happens a lot, at least in our modern discourse and status quo. I think that controversy in and of itself has to have axioms that people agree on to have meaningful debate, that the controversy actually has respect towards everyone involved. And I don't think that that happens very often when we invite particular controversial speakers to campuses, for example. A lot of what we call controversy might not even be controversy.
1: I think what Pia said is like, is pretty awesome for a positive for controversy when you take it to a subjective level. But I think that uh, when looking at the word from an objective viewpoint, it becomes more as to what Dane says, that we can take it to an academic discourse and we can talk about controversy as, it's like walking in to defend your thesis. And some people will disagree with you and you have to defend why you think what you think is right. And that is academic discourse. And I think controversies are also a form of academic discourse to some extent. Well, they need not be academic in all situations, but uh, objectively, I think it can be limited to academic discourses.
0: If we are to say there is a goal to maybe barring controversial speakers from speaking on campus, what should be the goal of that kind of action? What purpose should it serve? Is it to be serving the greater good?
3: I would posit this in kind of a dichotomy of necessary harm or necessary good that comes out of a result of a conversation. I think it's pretty easy to weigh, like, for example, if your academic discourse necessarily makes a lot of students uncomfortable on your campus, so not just like regular uncomfortable, I think a lot of academic discourse can be regularly uncomfortable, but if that sort of controversy sparks a lot of like hatred or a lot of problematic themes on campus, then that's a completely different thing. I think that but the point of barring specific controversial speakers on campus would be to mitigate a lot of like necessary harm that would come from that conversation. And if the harms outweigh the good, objectively, I think that it makes sense to not allow that person to speak on campus.
2: I, first of all, don't know if it's so easy to weigh how harmful it is. I mean, I guess discomfort is, uh, again, kind of a subjective thing. And I guess furthermore on that, you're right, there are just uncomfortable topics to discuss. And I think a big part of the university's goal should be to prepare students to deal with these uncomfortable discussions because they exist past the campus even if they or or if they're originally exposed within the campus but i i think there's also another level of harm in barring controversial speakers it seems to in my opinion create this bubble that doesn't really or maybe not that it doesn't really exist but that's not something that needs to be engaged with and it's it's certainly uncomfortable i completely agree with you but i think we need to teach people to maybe not necessarily, you know, take the suck it up buttercup attitude, but, you know, address their discomforts and deal with those uh, issues of discourse.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with both points, actually. But I think what we should be looking at as a university and as a body of students is to understand that we're in a university setting, which is a place of learning. What better learning can come from challenging dispositions and beliefs that you have held your entire life? At least that is what popular academics have been saying about learning the entire time. Scrutinizing the purpose of the talk be a great way to identify whether it's taking it too far and really the battle i think here is to find that fine line is to find the objective point where you can say that now you're going too far with what you're saying when your students have gone through some really bad mental situation and what you're saying is triggering them to a large extent that's when you know that that's a good point to objectively measure where you're going too far and you can ban a certain speaker from coming on campus. You know, if a guy's coming, controversial speaker, is coming over to campus to promote a book, let him promote his book as long as what he's going to talk about is his book and not his personal agenda, you know, spreading his
3: propaganda through himself. I think Dan is absolutely correct that we should be preparing students to face a lot of difficult topics in real life, but... I think that a lot of insults can be shrouded in quote-unquote academic discourse. A lot of discourse students can't step out of as like queer people, as POC people, as people who are general minorities. They can't actually ever step out of those conversations because it's part of their personhood. I think that's something really important to note. So what might seem like academic discourse for you and me might be discursive about someone's identity, might be discursive about who they are. And I think that's the fine line that we have to draw on status quo, because yes, we should be preparing students for the real world, but they are already experiencing the real world in, all, in a lot of cases. And that sort of discomfort is where I think the necessary harm and necessary good is easy to determine.
2: Yeah, just to respond to that, I, I agree that academic discourse, whatever you want to call it, it can get to a point where it's maybe not psychological harm, but it, it, it's certainly having an effect past regular discomfort on someone to take a step back. It it seems to be uncomfortable because we tend to view what we believe or I guess these constituent aspects, you know, characteristics as who we are. It's identity. It's more than just um, some disconnected academic idea that we might happen to encounter. So yeah, having uh, someone challenge or, you know, bring a controversial opinion to the table is more than just challenging the academic information you happen to have. It's a direct attack on your identity. And it, it's its a really tricky subject. I, I, I don't think it's as easy as still saying where the harm outweighs the potential benefit of it. But I mean, I think that's an important part of personal growth. And I'm not saying that people in delicate scenarios, if you will, need to, you know, face it full frontal. But I mean, and that's, I guess, partially contingent on how this speech is projected if you will there's a difference between you know discussing this in a lecture hall and you know kind of yelling it down someone's face and that's why we have laws against harassment and, and hate speech and the not
1: Uh, Yeah, I, I think that what we should really understand is that if a speaker comes to campus and if he's visibly and audibly shunning a certain group or identity of people, then that is obviously just ethically and morally incorrect because you're instantaneously shutting down this entire group of people. But if the same person is saying the exact same thing or the core point in a way where you can understand the viewpoint and not the bias then you can come to objectively understand that, okay, this person is making a clear point that has logical sense. And maybe I should consider this viewpoint before letting my identity come in the way and shunning it away.
0: I kind of want to throw a bit of an example to kind of see what you guys think if we had concrete kinds of speakers, individuals advocating certain viewpoints. For example, if we had somebody along the lines of a quote-unquote men's right activist, somebody who's coming to speak on campus for a claim of men's rights versus maybe a Marxist philosopher or somebody who is critiquing a widely accepted core thought in part of our society, which would be considered controversial. And I think the ideas of also men's rights activism in the waves of Me Too in recent events is also incredibly controversial as well. So what's the kind of difference in controversy Maybe who is more valid or less valid in your guys' view?
1: Okay, first of all, let me just um, put this out there: like the university is to some extent like it's a business, right? And it has no actual reason to uh, endorse a certain agenda. It's it doesn't need to be biased at all, and it doesn't need to allow platforms for people to speak. On the other end of the spectrum, though, if you try and consider people like a men's rights activist, then I would say that. If you've analyzed this person's background, if you've analyzed what he's been talking about, and not just if you, but like if everyone who's attending this talk it feels like there's some point of value to come out of it, then I think there should be an opportunity for them to see what the person's about and and what kind of point they're trying to bring across. And then come to conclusion and understand their own opinions and their own viewpoints upon it. Basically, let them speak, and then you figure out where you stand upon it.
2: Yeah, I, to continue on, on Adi's point... I'll, I'll take a step back. I'm not entirely sure of the situation around, I guess, men's right activists. I'll, I'll just take it as a general controversial stance. But as I kind of touched on before, I think we need to make a distinction between what is said and how something's being said. There's a difference, and Addy said this kind of with uh, bias versus the actual viewpoint. You know, we need to always facilitate discussion, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's controversial quote or whatever. But, you know, as long as that doesn't get to a point of harassment, hate speech, you know, whatever, you know, I say, let him in, let him talk. It's it's important for us to further that discourse.
3: I would actually fundamentally disagree with that the university doesn't have particular things that it needs to put across. For example, in academia, we all agree that the earth isn't flat. Like we have uh, women and gender studies because we as a university have kind of accepted that's something that is important, that's something that is valid. And in that way, I think that necessarily differentiates a Marxist philosopher from men's rights activism insofar as it would be more on the academic side, like a critique of capitalism a positing of, like, a theory that is, like, dialectically different from that. But men's rights activism, I think, opens, like, a dangerous precedent, a little bit opposite to what the university and kind of, like, what we as students have generally accepted to be an axiom. Uh, actually, going back to the question at the beginning, I think both things are actually valid. They're valid because they have logic that brings them to a conclusion, but the validity of the subject isn't what's at stake here. It's more so than, again, the necessary harm and good. And men's rights activism also necessarily says that there is no need for women's rights activism or feminism. So I think that necessarily that dialectical positing is kind of against our student body, at least in status quo.
2: i kind of like to disagree a bit with that structure you laid out there. First off, I think it's easy to say what we've put to bed, so to speak. I think you could spin it with almost any argument and say, well, we should have figured out that Marxism didn't work because we had a bunch of case studies in the 20th century, yet we still have people who advocate for it. And we still have people who advocate for, I guess, the oppression of of women, if you will. It's certainly not a popular opinion or I hope it wouldn't be a popular opinion. I I feel it's it's too difficult to say what we do know and that's not positing that you know the general values we have now are incorrect but I mean at least some of them might be as far as I see. If you go back you know a hundred years at a given point there's going to be an opinion that you know if you went against it you would be considered controversial. Like I mean we thought homosexual people were, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was some kind of sin or or was considered wrong. But, you know, now all these years later, or maybe not so many, depends how you look at it, we've come to realize, okay, that clearly wasn't a very good viewpoint. So I think you just always need to remain open to that discussion.
1: I primarily think that both those viewpoints are pretty strong in the sense of opening up a channel of discussion and trying to create some kind of positive result from it, whether it is emotional or purely objective. But I think that there's also a plus point in allowing uh, a men's right activist to speak, for example. Obviously, priority should definitely, I think, be... The mental health and safe spaces of the students, mm-hmm. but for example, if it had a men's rights speaker come on campus and talk, maybe that would give like some people, WGS, for example, a crazy good idea for a thesis paper mm-hmm. that they could write upon, right? Like there could be a lot of I think ideas and something promoting feminism, something promoting the entire movement coming from a men's rights activist. So I think that idea generation uh, and topics of discourse can be open as long as they're not crossing a certain line, and that line is hard.
2: I I guess this is just kind of a little point on specific men's rights activism. Again, I don't have a super strong grasp of the, I guess, gender debate climate, if you will. But it, it doesn't seem to me so unreasonable that you could put forth a position that we, you know, in Western society at least, have reached a point where women aren't. I guess, marginalized to the extent that they were, that we've actually gotten to that. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just... Controversial maybe, but I think that's a very important and very interesting discussion that would need to be had and I think again the limitation on having that discussion I think it would be playing too much into feelings I suppose you know not that that's not something important to consider but it would focus too much on making sure that no one gets offended because I I think the unfortunate reality is that if you're going to have a debate even if it's reasonable people are going to get offended and I mean I think that's just inevitable.
3: I think that a lot of students and a lot of people go to these sorts of talks because they already have an axiom that's pretty similar to what they're thinking originally. I think people rarely go to these things to get, like, you know, that change my mind meme. I don't think that that actually happens very often. I think that a women and gender studies student might actually get better justification for the things that they believe through seeing things that are controversial. But I think that there's a market difference um, insofar as like I think that you know, emotions and your feelings are just as rational as objective truth. Because like, for example, I've heard the justification that saying the n-word is fine because it's just a word. And if people are to get offended by it, it's their own problem. And I think that there's something fundamentally difficult about debating anything around that, if, if that makes sense.
1: I think that, yeah, it's definitely difficult to fundamentally debate about this topic. But do you think that the debate shouldn't exist?
3: I think it's important to go to the beginning of what we were talking about earlier. I think that there are things that we need to put to bed. Like, for example, we need to put to bed that the earth is flat. We need to put to bed the fact that women should be uh, respected as people. We need to put to bed the idea that Indigenous people have not been harmed by colonialism in the past. I think that that's absolutely something that we as academics should do in order to spur more meaningful debate about things that I think are more academic in nature, as opposed to, you know, ad hominem in nature. I would like to close with this. Controversy in and of itself is not a good thing. And I think that we all agree that controversial speakers, controversial topics can be functional. The purpose of controversial speakers should be to spur meaningful debate. I think that meaningful debate can only occur when we fulfill particular axioms, when we agree that we cannot entertain certain kinds of viewpoints because they are ethically wrong. I think that the controversy that at least I am very critical of, and I'm not saying that you guys aren't critical of, is the kind of controversy that hurts people. Trans people cannot step away from the trans bathroom debate. It is literally integral to their identity. I don't think that kind of controversy has any place on a university campus because it's simply not functional for the academia for the learning environment of particular marginalized people?
1: My statement is that controversial speakers should be heavily scrutinized by the university before lending out an invitation or lending out uh, a platform for them. Mm-hmm. I think they should be judged based on merit. I think they should be judged based on what, they, what value they bring to the discussion. And I think they should be judged definitely on their biases and the amount of impact they can have on a student's mental health. And yeah, once the university has analyzed these perspectives thoroughly, should they make a decision whether or not to allow the controversial speaker on campus?
2: Yeah, those are a lot of good points. I don't have much more to close with, but just a uh A few minor ends to tie up, kind of as Addy was suggesting, I don't see why the university can't just say or or, or clarify that, you know, we don't necessarily have the viewpoints of a particular speaker. We're giving them a platform for reasonable debate because they've come here and based off of what we know about them, they can have reasonable discussion. And to address what Dio is saying, as far as I'm aware, controversy is controversy. And if controversy happens to have an emotional connection, I, I think that might even mean that it's a more, maybe not urgent, but potentially more important if we can make that judgment an issue that certainly needs to be dealt with. And I think it just means that in pursuing debate, we have to remember to be reasonable, that we can never escalate. But I mean, that goes without saying, because that in itself, leaves the realm of uh, reasonable
0: dialect.
3: Well, thanks for meaningful debate, because I think this is that manifest, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: yeah. yeah, thank you all so much for coming on to the Gateway Presents. It was a really great discussion. It was great to have you all here. Thank you so much.
3: Ooh.